All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida, and I will have much more on them, our brand new, spanking new podcast sponsor, and very excited about it, and spankerin hankerin whatever you want to call that um any case uh yeah very thrilled that uh they've agreed to sponsor us for the next year and uh all that good stuff but like i said i'll mention a little bit more about them later on in the show uh joining me uh ian and ben and uh gentlemen we uh we have a draft coming up tomorrow will uh, be exactly uh <laughs> and, and you can tell what kind of mood wow. ben's in already Jeez. wow we're, we're leading this show off great hey, we are professional as hell around here let me tell you uh two weeks from the draft tomorrow already guys and uh <laughs> we'll we'll get into the virtualness <laughs> of it shortly but uh, I hope both of you are well and safe. And, uh, you know, this, this thing is crazy. Ben and I were kind of talking uh, just, just you know, our, and Ian, I, I'm sure you can probably relate to this, but, you know, we, our grandparents go through, you know, things like depression and wars and stuff. And I think we're kind of naive to think we wouldn't go through something. So if this is as bad as it gets, I guess we'll take it. But uh, how are things going in, in uh, Western PA tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, you know, everything's pretty much locked down. The governor extended the stay at home order through the end of the month. So um, it's, you know, kind of just a holding pattern for the next few weeks here. But uh, thankfully, AT&T Sports Network has been replaying old Penguins games. And tonight they replayed game seven of the 2009 Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Um, So I got to show my kids the Pens winning the cup, which was pretty awesome. Yes, the Game 7 in Detroit. I remember in Detroit, it well. that's right. I remember it Flurry well. had the big save at the end. I, I still get nervous watching. I mean, you know, Detroit scored a, a goal to cut the lead to 2-1 to one with six minutes left. Yep. And, you know, the Penguins are just hanging on for dear life. Because <laughs> Detroit really controlled the last 30 minutes of that game. I mean, the Penguins really didn't have that much, especially in the third period. And it was just hang on, hang on, hang on. And um, Detroit hit a crossbar with about two and a half minutes yeah. to go. And then Flurry made the big save at the end end and i i don't really see how the penguins would have won that game in overtime if it would have gone to overtime because detroit was just firing all they were flying they were flying um you know i guess if you find positives out of this you know it has been cool seeing some of the old classic stuff yeah espn had jack nicholas's uh uh, 1986 run to the masters um uh today his sixth green jacket and i remember that very well it was really cool to watch so there is some some really cool stuff out there and um Ben, how are how are things going out uh, out there for you guys? You're you're not quite experiencing this as badly as we are, are you? How so? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're sheer sheer numbers. I I, I mean, I know my uh, state was number three um, not long ago. I, I assume it still is. New York, obviously number one. Um, but uh, w- w- what is your state? I mean, you guys got a lot of cases right now. I. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where where we feel, where we fall in the rankings, but I'm quite certain that sooner or later Michigan will lose to a couple of like, you know, number 20, number 21 teams and then fall out of the top 25 <laughs> altogether. <laughs> so, I really wouldn't worry about it too much, Mark. I mean, that's just something that Michigan does. They, you know, they start the season out strong and then they dwindle, they they fall back. So, now, will you too much, man. probably get stomped by Ohio at the end of the year, you know? Well, for sure, I mean, by like 14. 
No, nobody does nine and three like like Michigan. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you know, win win a few nice games and and then stumble stumble over uh, an uh, an average Iowa team, get thumped by Ohio State, and then go to a bowl game and get humiliated. I mean, it's pretty yeah. much the classic Jim Harbaugh uh, uh, paradigm at this particular time. But Coach uh, yeah, don't even get me started. Anyway, uh, you're anyway, here I, to, I have uh, no idea where the hell yeah. Oregon stands and all of that. Um, I've been going to work every day. Um, yeah, you're I, essential. I, I should be very grateful for the fact that I have a job and I have to keep working. Absolutely. But work has been very, very stressful for the last month. Yeah. And so I'm a little bitchy. And I noticed that since this whole quarantine thing started and the gym closed, I drink a lot more, which I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Well, it's probably not for you, but it's probably great for the gyms because they're going to be flooded with people like yourself uh, once they reopen. Um, you know, to go bit, get How back in I mean, shape. They're and, taking our money anyway. Well, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Um, but I digress. Let's jump into the Steelers talk, gentlemen. Um, I, yeah, you know, I didn't put down, I didn't put down on the uh, the agenda. But uh, you know, early in the week, the NFL announced the uh, All Decade Team. I had totally forgotten that we were there at that point, but, uh, it was time. And, and obviously there were some absolute no brainers like Tom Brady and stuff, but, um, for the first time since the 1960s decade, the Steelers did not have anybody on the defensive team. Um, Antonio Brown and Marquise Pouncey were the two guys on, uh, on offense for the Steelers, both extremely deserving of that honor, honor, excuse me. And, um, I, I don't know, Ian, did, did you happen to catch any of that? Um, I saw the list of the players yeah. and honestly, I mean, I didn't have a huge argument with a lot of the no. players that were picked. I mean, it, it'd be kind of hard to argue for any Steelers over any of the other guys that, yep. that got picked. And one of my issues with these teams when they get put together, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, all pro teams, pro bowl teams, all decade teams is especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's not a good accounting for four, three versus three, four defenses. Yes. So, you know, you have players like a cam Hayward who cam Hayward made an all pro team one year and didn't make the pro bowl because the Pro Bowl right. couldn't figure out. They had him lumped in with the 4-3 the defensive ends because he was a 3-4 defensive end. It's a completely different position. So whereas the, the all-pro team voted him in as a, a deep, just a defensive lineman, I think, or a defensive tackle or something like that, the, those voters were smarter. Um, but, you know, for – and looking at this list, some of, the, some of the guys who made the linebacker list are essentially 3-4 outside linebackers. Mm -hmm. uh, Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, but then the defensive ends are also pass rushers. Your your Julius Peppers, your Calais Campbells, your Cam Jordans. Um, so there's there's really not a good balance between you know the the four three yeah. and the three four kind of teams. Um, and really, there weren't any as I look over the list, sort of four, three outside linebackers that made the list. Cause the other, the linebackers that weren't pass rushers were Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner and Patrick Willis. And they all played either in mm -hmm. a three, four or an inside position um, in Wagner's case. So, and all those guys are deserving and yep. really the, 
the guys that the Steelers had on their elite defense to start the decade in the early, you know, late from you know mm-hmm. 2007 to 2012 or 13, those guys only played a handful of years in this decade. They didn't right. play a majority of their careers in this decade. Your Troy Polamalu's played most of their careers in the 2010 or the, the 2000s decade up to 2010. So um, yeah, I, I don't really have an issue with no Steelers making it. I can't make a case for anyone over any of the guys on this list. That's kind of where I was too. Um, and, and when people were bitching about, well, well what about Troy? And I, I made the same argument in, in quick hitters that, um, you know, those guys were, were already on the decline after Super Bowl 45 there and only played a handful of years in this decade. So um yeah they're always interesting to me and and like you i get pissy when they can't figure out the difference between the the defensive end positions and alignments and stuff but be that as it may it was it was interesting i don't you know ben uh one one thing i saw on there and and i you'll probably have a very definitive answer for me on this um i i saw some arguments that joe hayden could have possibly been one of the cornerbacks what would you have said to that Um, nah, nah, yeah, I don't see that. It, yeah, that's where I was too. I, I I thought he was a decent corner at at Cleveland, but I, I think he's been better in Pittsburgh. To be honest with you, I think um, he was his first two years. Yeah, uh, yeah. last year he kind of backslid a little bit. Um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. he's taking mm-hmm. more chances now, but it's also leading to some plays where he's he's the coverage isn't as sound. Let's just put it that way. Right, right. Well, gentlemen, the uh, draft is coming up, and this is an unusual uh, situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We do not have a first-round draft pick. Uh, Of course, most at this particular time, upon me saying that, would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Minka Fitzpatrick was basically the first-round draft pick, and we all know we would take that over any rookie safety, and I totally agree. A definite all-pro over some rookie safety? Yeah. Let yeah, me think. I know. Yeah, I, I think know. I'll take the all pro. I, I, I a guy who's already an all pro. Yeah, right. <laughs> Probably a safe, a proven commodity over yeah. a really good prospect. Yeah. Um, so well, therefore, hmm. yeah, you have the Steelers waiting until the second day, uh, barring a trade, which I don't think any of us expect to see, as they do not really have the collateral to do such a thing. Um, they will pick at uh, number 49 on Friday in the second round of this year's virtual draft, which we'll touch on shortly. But um, in, you know, if I put your feet to the fire here, what do you think is the most pressing need for the Steelers in that position at, at 49? Uh, honestly, I mean, there's so much randomness that could happen in front of them. I would, I mean, and they've always kind of been a best player available team, um, but there's, there's so many potential needs. I mean, they franchise tagged Bud Dupree, but they have no depth at outside linebacker uh, behind Dupree and Watt and Dupree's not guaranteed to be with this team any longer than one year. So, I mean, outside linebacker is still a potential need Um, Mm -hmm. inside linebacker. They have Devin Bush and Vince Williams, not a lot of depth behind them. Uh, Safety. You have Minka who we've established as an all pro Terrell Edmonds, who probably shouldn't have been picked on the first or second round, but was somehow our first (laughs) round pick. Um, And, no depth behind them. Um, so really, I mean, even though they've addressed defense at the top of the draft for the past seven or eight years, there's still needs on defense on offense. 
what they really need on offense is a, a home run hitter, a guy who can stretch yeah. the field and stretch the defense, whether that's a wide receiver or a running back, someone capable of making big plays with the ball in their hands. And that's really what they lacked last year. We've talked about this before on the podcast that the quarterback play was so inconsistent that, I mean, mm-hmm. there were plays mm-hmm. Juju made, Deontay Johnson made, um, where they caught balls and took them a long way, took them to the house. But they really didn't have anyone, especially in the running game, um, that was capable of even, you know, consistent 15 to 20 yard gains, um, yeah. you know, picking those up and really helping to to move the ball and flip the field on them. That is especially a running back, but even a wide receiver that can do that because Ben's coming back next year and all the reports on him have been positive. That he's making yep. great progress. Um, I heard on the radio last week, he's, you know, saying he's throwing at 60% and they have like sensors in the balls now that kind of tell him that and give him that data. He has baseline data from the 2018 season for, you know, how his velocity is spin rate on the balls, all that stuff that technology is awesome these days, you know, crazy. Um, isn't it? The, yeah. The, yeah. They can say, you know, okay, you're, you're throwing it, you know, 60% of what you were. And he, you know, it's like, okay, well there's, you know, four months before the season starts. I don't really need to press it any farther than that. Just kind of keep getting comfortable, keep working the arm. So, um, you know, I don't, and it is what it is. But with Ben coming back, I think that'll help the receiving core a whole bunch. They added a, a, a stretcher at tight end in Eric Ebron. That you know, he's a guy that can go down the seam. He can get down the mm-hmm. field. He can make plays with the ball in his hands if he actually can get the ball <laughs> into his hands. Um, but that being said, they they need an offensive playmaker too, and they have positions to fill on the offensive line. That you've yeah. got, um, you know depending on what they do with Matt Fowler, if they leave him at tackle, you might need a guard. They signed Stephen, uh, Stephen Wozniewski. Is he a 16 game starter? Eh, I don't know. Um, you know, they could move Fowler into guard. Then the question at tackle is tackle. Zach Banner or, um, Chukes. Chukes a core for. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a lot of question marks on this team. Fortunately, especially with Ben coming back, we re- and James Conner coming back, we really don't need a starter anywhere, which is fine. Picking at number 49, but, yeah we have a lot of holes to fill for backups. And the way I usually look at the draft is, you know, first round, you want to get someone who can step in and start immediately. Second round, second and third round, you know, you want to get short-term backups, potential long-term starters. And then day three, it's kind of like you want to find guys who can play on special teams now and potentially develop into a, a either, you know, consistent backup or a decent mm-hmm. middle of the road starter, you know, kind of a Vince Williams, a Brett Kiesel kind of guy. Um, yeah, and those are the much more common results than your Antonio Browns or Tom Brady's that, you know, those are very rare to find on, on, you know, day three. Um, but I, I think more consistently, you know, if you can find guys who can, can at least be contributors on day uh-huh. three, that's kind of the way I usually look at the draft. So, so Ben, if, if I told you, and, and I know it's hard because we all know the way that, that Kevin Colbert thinks uh, and the Steelers in general think in these situations, but you know, if if there was a really solid defensive player sitting there, but at the same time there was also maybe a home run hitter who who you could take either as a receiver or running back, but maybe it was a little sooner than you would normally take them. I mean, what what would you do in that situation? Would you would you would just reach a little or just take the the safer defensive player? They don't tend to reach much in the second round, and I'm yeah. going to go with with what they've done previously yep. and suggest that they're probably going to go with a player they have a higher grade on yeah rather than you know taking a chance with somebody Stefan to it um uh Le'Veon Bell um mm-hmm. 
Juju Smith-Huster. These are all guys that they had really high grades on before the draft and were still available to them in the second round, and they grabbed. And that's kind of what I see happening here. And it could be mm-hmm. anywhere. It could be interior defensive line. It yeah. could be outside linebacker, inside linebacker, safety. Um, any of those spots, really. It, could, is it is it safe to say that that really it could be just about anywhere other than perhaps quarterback at 49? I, I think probably not a quarterback only because right. there's not going to be a franchise quarterback available that late in Agreed. the draft. And... I don't see them going that route. Now, you know, things happen. I don't know. Maybe Tua will fall <laughs> that far. And they'll, they'll go, yeah, this is just too much value. We can't pass this up. And they'll, mm-hmm. they'll take mm-hmm. him because they know that they can sit him for a year. Right. Um, you know, that could happen. I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be more along the line of interior defensive line, interior offensive line, maybe a tackle, but – the tackles, I think, are going to be gone for the most part at that point. Yeah. Um, the kid from TCU, right. what's his name? Um, uh, 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 Lucas uh, Nyang. Nyang, yes. Yeah. If if he's available there, he's got to be in play because he's super talented. But I mm-hmm. don't think – I think he's going to go in the early second, maybe even the late first because people are so whacked out about you know trying to find – a prospect this year that definitely has potential and he definitely does and they can't test a bunch of other people to to leapfrog him in that you right. know in the pecking order because of the circumstances this year so i i kind of wonder if that isn't going to be the case um other guys that i really think they might consider um neville gallagmore mm-hmm. again interior defensive line oklahoma oklahoma um Rieger, I don't think they end up taking. I, when I look at Rieger, I see a slot wide receiver. I don't know about you guys. I I see a guy who's gonna be productive at the next level, but he's a slot receiver. And the Steelers already have hot and cold running slot receivers. Does yeah. that make sense? Not to me, but I I don't know. Um, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU, who's just running a, back, a running back bowling ball type who can catch the ball pretty well. You know, he's not mm-hmm. outstanding at it, but he can catch it pretty well. Um, uh, who else did I have down here? Um, Justin Matabuke, defensive oh, yeah. lineman. Now, yep. he's a straight-up five-tech, but he could be a guy for the Steelers for a lot of years, and he can play mm-hmm. three-tech. Uh, Michael Pittman, he's – Absolutely an X receiver. He's not quite he's not the the high end offensive player, explosive offensive player that mm-hmm. I want them to draft, but I don't know what is going to be there in terms of value at forty nine. And so I think he may be there. Um maybe he that would guy be, that they Yeah, really safe pick too. He's a he's a very solid guy. Yeah, uh, he's a great receiver. big receiver. Yep. But he's not. He doesn't quite have that field stretching, you know, right. ability right. that you you want. But you're not necessarily going to see. Um, who else that I think of, I was thinking of as we were talking. Isaiah Wilson. He plays tackle and guard for Georgia. I think he'll mm-hmm. be available there. 
I think that's yeah, a possibility. There's been some talk about him too. Yeah, the it, it it is fascinating how under the circumstances that that we are all in, uh, you know, the the football teams obviously are dealing with this as well, and it's completely changed uh, how they're doing things. I, uh, Ian, did you happen to catch that uh, uh, Kevin Colbert suggested adding three rounds to this draft? I did see that. Yeah, and I mean. It's not a terrible idea considering that signing undrafted free agents is probably mm-hmm. going to be a lot harder just because yep. of the whole communications thing and, you know, getting guys in for visits and things like that. Um, but there's probably a lot of other um, complicating factors with how the rookie pay scale works for draft picks and all that right. other stuff. That, you know, they, it's it's not feasible to implement with two weeks before the draft happens. Right. But it was interesting. From, from his standpoint, I mean, though he's looking at it from the top 51 rule and he's just going the heck with it. They're not going to count anyway. They're not going to count that much war. It's not going to be enough that I need to worry about it. And getting guys in to take physicals in these circumstances is going to be, you know, next to impossible. So signing undrafted free agents is going to be really, really tough in this environment. And I agree with him. He's right. I think it's a great idea. Now, whether or not it'll actually happen, I don't know. But I think they should think about it this year as a one-time only thing. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with with both of you. And I mean, I, I think what Ian's point was, too, about the lack of time and perhaps the scales. And I, But Ben, I see what you're saying, too. And I, I, that's going to take me back to, to this question. And Ian, I'll, I'll give it to you first. And, and Ben, you brought it up, but I'll, I'll certainly give it to you as well. <sighs> The lack of getting hands on these guys, the lack of being able to watch these guys with your own eyes, not on tape, okay? If Tua fell to the Steelers at 49, the value would be, I mean, astronomically high. But he's had four or five surgeries. He's been hurt every season since, I think, his junior year of high school. Ian, would you pull the trigger on him? Yeah, I would. At forty nine, absolutely, um, I, and that's one of those. That's one of those value things that you know. Ben Ben brought up some great examples. I, I remember mm-hmm. you know the the draft that Stefan Tuit came out in, and there were some yeah. mock drafts that had him going to us in the first round. And I really felt like, wow, that's a bit of a reach in the first round, but in the second, he would be an absolute steal. Yeah. And I've been wrong plenty of times in my draft analysis, but the guys Ben mentioned to it, Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster, like if we had taken those guys in the first round, we would have been, I mean, everyone, Steelers fans, analysts would have just panned us across the board for those picks. And they would have been seen as huge reaches. But then you take those guys in the second round and it's like, you guys got steals. I mean, there was a (laughs) long time. I I know there's, you know, Ben has some issues with uh, pro football references, uh, career approximate value ranking but there was a, a long time that Le'Veon Bell was actually like the highest rated player from the 2013 draft just because of how bad the first round was that year yeah um, terrible and it, yeah, yeah. And, and in retrospect you know people people were happy about getting Jarvis Jones in the first round thinking like oh you know we just let go of James Harrison we're gonna get his replacement um and then Le'Veon was a little bit of an afterthought. And actually, Bell is still the the third. Actually, he's tied for second on career really? AV. Um, uh, David McCarthy from Green Bay is actually the highest rated player from that draft. And he was taken in the fourth round. And then Bell, DeAndre Hopkins, and Travis Kelsey are, are all tied for second place. Um, 
So it, it just goes That's to show incredible. you that, you know, and Bell was taken at 48. So you can absolutely get a player that can contribute, um, you know, in the, the high 40s. That said, Bell's rookie year versus his second year, there was a massive difference in his performance, too. He took a huge step from year one to year two. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, picking at 49, not a guy that's going to come in and contribute right away, but potentially a very good long-term player. And like Ben mentioned with Tua, you know, Roethlisberger is under contract for this year and next year. And given right. that they restructured his contract, there's no way he's going anywhere next year because he's got no. a massive cap number that they can't do anything with because it's the final year of his deal. So, I mean, you get you draft a guy like Tua, you let him sit for two years on the bench, basically the Aaron Rodgers kind of theory, and yeah. see what happens. Yep. Ben, that's re- you're in that same position then? Absolutely. Uh I, yeah. I would uh I would take him. I might not even practice him much. I might I might let him like I might put him on IR this year. Depending on mm-hmm. on how healthy he was. I might not even practice him. I certainly wouldn't have him out there run against the first team D as a scout quarterback. There's questions about how healthy he really is. I mean, he he's of gotten the, there are. Yeah, he's gotten the clean bill of health. Uh, I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, but I, 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 you know, I tend to agree with you. I don't know that I would let him do a whole lot. Um, no, I, I would that, I would wrap yeah. him in a bubble wrap and let him get completely healthy. And then I would develop him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to just take a quick minute here, guys, and, and make sure we give a quick shout out to our brand new sponsor, uh, Deck Roofing um, Incorporated, serving Broward County and uh, the Southern Palm Beach counties, whether uh, commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Def, Deck Roofing today. Roof, roofing, roofing. There it is. Uh, you can roofing? visit them. I know. You can visit them at Deck Roofing. <laughs> dot com um very big in florida and i you know a lot of people say well, like why do you have a sponsor from florida and uh as the yeah. owner of owner of the company told me there are a ton of Steeler fans down there yeah. and there's there's more Steeler bars down there than there are dolphin bars yeah so uh yeah this just was a great fit and i'm thrilled to have them with us and uh um you know, lots of, uh, I'll share other stories. Uh, if you've ever spent podcasts. any time in Florida, you, you don't have to go very far to no. run into a Steelers fan. That's why in cities like Jacksonville and Miami, yep. people hate the Steelers. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. They hate the Steelers because there are plenty of Steeler fans down there. Just it kind of is what it is. People in Orlando, I remember when I was down there, people hated the Steelers. I was like, what is the big deal? Yeah, there are a lot of Steelers fans down there, and Steelers fans sometimes talk a little shit. And uh, well, hey. there you go. That's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, I, I felt so compelled this morning that I sat down and wrote a 700 word article on it in probably five minutes. Um, I, I don't understand the the love affair that part of the Pittsburgh media and many of the national talking heads have with Jameis Winston coming to the Steelers. Uh, it says it's as if they think there's no such thing as a salary cap amongst many, many other things. Um, well, I, 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 I don't know. Ian, you tell me why, why are we wasting our time with this nonsense? Because Andrew Philip Tony sucks. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, well, he, he's, else, he's, he's, 
What, what else is new? Right. I know. And then tonight uh, he was pushing for Des Bryant. Yeah. Well, cause he sucks. Um, yeah. he has no original thoughts in his head. Um, and, or at least on his Twitter account. And uh, I mean, at some point you have to ask yourself, is he actually that stupid or is he just trolling for clicks? And uh, by this point, I mean, his, his predictions for games are literally wrong yeah, every time. So it, it, it almost, and with all this stuff, it's, you know, it's really just trolling for clicks, especially at this time yeah. of the season. Yeah, because I agree. I agree. You know, um, I yeah, fell for it's, it. it is what it is. He's yeah. he is one of the top two jagoffs in the Pittsburgh media market. Um, really, who's you could make. One? I'm not saying who's number one or number two. Oh. Mark Madden's the other one, and you can put him in any order that you want to. I would personally put Mark Madden first, but. Um, you know, you could you could make a so case. Madden for is number one in your too. in your mind, huh? <laughs> well, I, I mean, they're both number edition. twos in my mind, but we're not going into you know. <laughs> I think I think, in we're talking about two guys that are purposely provocative that yes. that talk that say a lot of things that they don't even believe just because they know they're going to get a reaction, and. Uh, are, are purposely are jackasses, and I, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't view it as having any real relevance in reality because it's not real. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, it's yeah. just like you said. It's, it's they're they're purposely looking for clicks. They're they're looking for outrage, and the more that they can drive, the better a job they've done. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, that works in Pittsburgh because they both are popular fucking guys. Yeah. Fucking douchebags. Well, (laughs) you know, when when the the part that got me was that he tied in Bill Cowher suggesting that, oh, yeah, Winston, that's a great fit for the Steelers. And, you know, look, I love Bill Cowher. I always will. I did when he was coach, but I also understand that Bill Cowher was one of the worst quarterback evaluators of all time. Um, what do you mean? Kent Graham was awesome, man. I, uh, well, never forget I, the Jim Miller, not even here, <laughs> six games. Was it six? I just remember uh, the debacle in Jacksonville. That was, that was enough for me, but yeah. exactly. But I, you know, and I, so right there, I just, I get so frustrated, but you, you, you take in the type of fit he would be, which isn't good. You take in, the 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 situation in terms of the money and everything else and it just drives me insane so i figured i finally had to get that out there so i didn't want to spend a lot of time on it i just don't think it makes any sense um let's see here yeah yeah it just you know uh what do you guys think of the the fact that um i thought this was kind of funny you know of course the nfl is going to do a virtual draft i found it very funny that the first team that came out and said they were concerned wasn't the Patriots. It was the Ravens. Um, John, John Harbaugh is worried about other teams getting a hold of his playbook or, or what they do for draft prep and everything yeah, but, else. I mean, come on, John, I, John Harbaugh, like <laughs> professionally, this is what he does. He looks for yes. a reason to fucking bitch. Yep. This is what he does <laughs> continually. This, this is his life goal his mission <laughs> i gotta find a reason to find something to complain about and it's been a little while since i've been able to do it so i'm gonna nah, 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 poopy pants the guy's a <laughs> jackass of course it was him 
The Ravens Did, suck, and, I, and Harbaugh is one of the biggest reasons. They hate that whole goddamn family. Well, did you see that that Vegas already has odds uh, favoring there will be some sort of technological issue during the draft? <laughs> so actually, we were—I mean, we were just talking about this before the podcast started in our professional lives. How we've all been using Zoom and GoToMeeting and you know, yeah. Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, whatever it is, all these other things, and how Zoom especially has been terrible for security purposes. Right. Like right. they've been getting hacked all over the place. So as much as I hate to say, maybe as a point, but like considering you can't have all your coaches in a war room together, the, like the coaches are going to have to be on a separate Zoom call or whatever, or, you know, a separate conference call, and then patch into, you know. And, and like, you know, let's call it what it is, because a lot of these NFL guys aren't the most tech savvy guys in the world. They can probably hire them, but who knows if they'll actually oh, do. So, I mean, they're essentially going to have a, a Google document with their draft board on it and then share that around with a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. who knows mm-hmm. if, if that'll actually, you know, I mean, there there are some potential security risks here and then conference calls getting hacked and all that. So, um, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, suck it up. That's what everyone else in the world is doing. Exactly. You're, not you're a football coach, like deal with it, you know, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think. I think that that everybody's going to have to deal with it and that there could be problems and there probably will be problems. I just found it very funny that he would be the yeah. one to start whining first. Speaking um, speaking of Vegas odds, though, this brings up a, another point that was kind of bouncing around my head. Um, yeah. You know, with, with all the other leagues kind of talking about getting back to playing some sort of, of semblance of games, whether it be like horse in the NBA or mm-hmm, Major League Baseball mm-hmm. talking about, oh, maybe we'll just bring all the teams to Arizona and we can just play here in front of no fans. Like conceptually, just think about like how much money there is in fantasy sports and gambling, which fantasy sports is basically gambling. So essentially gambling, like how much money do these are these leagues making from gambling that they're like, yeah, we can continue to be financially stable if we have no fans in the stands and just put something out there that people can gamble on and we can put on TV. Essentially, it's it's TV revenue and it's gambling um, that you know, are really the big money drivers, which for me living in Pittsburgh, hearing Bob Nutting complain about, oh, Pirates can't spend money on players because we don't have fans going to the stands. It's complete and total bullshit. <laughs> um, because, you know, these the, the entire leagues are basically saying like, we can, we can survive on gambling and, uh, and TV revenue. Yeah, totally okay. So there, there were people, kind of there were people betting on South Korean baseball intra-squad scrimmages on YouTube already. That's how desperate people want the sports to come back. So there was yeah, there was a website yeah. that was launching like odds on you could bet on the weather, like if the high was going to be over or under sixty five <laughs> degrees. It was, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, wrap things up on the show, um, we, we do have to mention that, of course, there were a, a couple of, of new uniform unveilings this week. Um, this is something that we Steelers fans don't have to discuss too much, and I, for one, am very glad of that. I love the fact that we've basically made one major I don't even know if major is the right word, but one significant change to the uniform in the last many, many decades. Um, but uh, Ben, uh, you seem like the type of guy who's very into high fashion. Uh, sure, yeah. What uh, What did you think of the Buccaneers and Falcons new uniforms? Uh, I mean, I honestly don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> I thought the Buccaneers 
new unis were uh, they're okay, you know, yeah. uh, kind of whatever. Uh, the Falcons unis, I wasn't all that impressed by. I was like, eh, whatever. You know, somebody made a, com- a comparison on Twitter to the Mean Machine uniform <laughs> from the longest yard. I was like, yeah, that's about right. They um, do the the all black uniforms. They do. Yeah. They look just like the Mean Machine. And you oh. know, it's like, eh, you know. It, Whatever. I, well, I'm not that impressed. I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. I really don't care. It's not like some of the color rush uniforms we've seen that have just been absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah. They're, these aren't that bad. Or like the all no. orange uniforms the Browns have, that all orange thing. Oh Ugh. my God. That's fucking horrible. Orange is um, objectively the worst color. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I'm going to go with purple. Orange. I go purple first, then orange. But yeah, you know, purple then orange. You're right. One, either one. Um, I, <laughs> I, I was a little surprised Atlanta went with just the ATL on the front of the jersey. I thought that was they, they're they're kind of becoming the NBA. You know, the NBA now, as with all sports, there used to be an away uniform and a home uniform. The NBA, I'll bet you each team must have what twenty different uniform combinations now. In oh terms yeah, of they've got a home ton. Or away. Yeah, it's, and then they even have ones that are in like Spanish and other languages oh, too. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And and I get it. I mean, you, you're trying to sell stuff. I, I mean, I, I totally understand, and I and I get why teams do this. Um, they and and not surprisingly, the the Tampa Bay uh, uniforms have already been the top sellers, and of course, the number twelve, Tom Brady is the number one seller. But um, it, it is interesting to see how and why these teams do change the subtle change. I mean, my God, look at the, the Rams changed their logo. People went ballistic over that and everything else. So, um, you know, so uh, Ian, what, what is your take on uh, these two new uniforms? You know, this was when we put the agenda together, this was the thing I had the most opinions on. This was the only topic you didn't go to me first on. So you're killing well, me. I did it on purpose because <laughs> I know Ben doesn't give a shit. Uh, I know. And, and I, I wanted know. him to, to, to state it in only the way he can. And he did it yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So on the Steelers first, the Steelers should go to the block letters, basically what's essentially their throwback uniforms permanently. Yeah. They should yeah. get rid of the swoopy letters, go back to the block letters. That's, that's my only Steelers uniform take. On Tampa, Tampa's uniform was simultaneously a vast improvement and a massive disappointment because the creamsicles were so iconic. And I realize I just said yeah. that orange is a terrible color, <laughs> but the, the whole design of the creamsicle uniforms is so iconic that yeah. anything that's not that is going to be seen as a disappointment for a lot of Why people for Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Why I do like you aesthetics. Care? Okay. Who, who cares? <laughs> I don't get it. But at, at any rate, you know, I guess people who are fans of, of looking at their alarm clock in the middle of the night are going to be disappointed that Tampa went away from those jersey numbers. But besides that, Tampa <laughs> Tampa's look was a lot cleaner. It looks good. Atlanta, also an improvement. They got rid of a lot of the extra crap on their uniforms, um, but still kind of look like a high school team. Final point, the Browns are also coming out with new uniforms at some point. Of course, favorite, they do every year. Yes, yes. My favorite Browns uniform I ever saw was a guy in Heinz Field, probably early 2000s, 2000, uh-huh, 2001 uh-huh. or so, saw him walking up to his seats in the upper bowl. 
And, you know, I'm sitting there in my seat and I'm like, this dude's wearing a Browns jersey into Heinz Field. You know, it was brown and had white on it. And yeah. as he gets closer, I'm like, there's no numbers on that jersey. And and I, I finally realized that he had a literal brown, you know, sports yeah. jersey that he had written in white on the front of it. I feel like I'm wearing a giant turd. <laughs> and that is my favorite Browns uniform that I've ever seen. So anything short of that will also be a disappointment for Cleveland. <sighs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I, uh, As I said, I, I'm just grateful that we don't go through this in an effort to try to sell jerseys. And, and I mean, there, there's plenty of alternative Steelers jerseys out there you can buy. And, and that all fucking that yellow jersey they sold last year? Oh, yeah, no, that was I'm sorry. Bullshit. That was yeah. horrible. And uh, if you own one, you are wrong, okay? <laughs> I'll just put that there right now. If you own one of those fucking yellow alternate jerseys they sold last year you are wrong i i would like wrong. to note i would like to note he said yellow yeah yeah uh because they sure aren't gold uh that's for damn sure but uh oh my goodness it, it, it yeah so the browns will be unveiling and and uh i was kind of hoping tampa bay would come back with the old uh the old buccaneer on the side of the helmet instead of the flag yeah bucko bruce exactly yeah exactly yeah but yeah i saw i saw a tweet today that basically said you know every nfl team should go back to the jerseys they had in like 1990 and that would be perfect and yeah i pretty much agree with that yeah that was about that year yeah yeah that's then things started to change yeah yeah. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to get done here. We've we've fallen off the wagon into the world of craziness if we're talking uniforms here. Uh, in any case, uh, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, we'll be back next week. We've only we've only got one more week, and and then the uh, the following week will be the draft and and everything else. So we we've got some work to do and people to look at and all that other stuff. So uh, for Ian and Ben, this is uh, Steel Dead signing off on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated. Oh, and hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck. Ravens suck. Uh, Okay, Ravens suck.